The Ambitious Mum Podcast. Different women, different lives, different ambitions. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and every week I'll be having honest conversations about ambition. When you become a parent, you want to give every cell and fibre to your child, but you have to nourish you. Motherhood. As parents, if we want to raise compassionate and resilient kids, we've got to be empowering them with their own self-care toolkit. And everything in between. We'll explore how their ambitions and careers have evolved while being a parent, and I'll be digging deep, acknowledging the taboos, the sacrifices, and the sheer grit and perseverance working mums don't talk about. I think the main issue is that mums feel terribly guilty about taking time for themselves. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start this week's episode, I want to let you know about my new sponsor, the Urban App. Urban is an on-demand wellness app on a mission to empower people through well-being. It allows you to book the treatments you need, such as a massage, in the comfort of your own home by choosing from a wide variety of highly qualified therapists, which is brilliant as you can pick the perfect treatment or therapist for you. I personally love Urban and have used it on many occasions, often very last minute when I've had some unexpected free time and would probably describe it as an Uber for massages. So if this sounds like something you need in your life, and truthfully, who doesn't, I've arranged for you to receive a 15% discount off your first treatment with Urban. So simply download the app, fill in your details, and then when you're ready to book the treatment, type in the code KATE15 at checkout. That's KATE, K-A-T-E, 1-5 at checkout. Currently, Urban is operating in and around Manchester, London, Birmingham and Paris. And in London and Paris, they are also offering a wide variety of different beauty and wellness treatments. And they are soon hoping to expand this offering as well to other cities. So do keep your eyes peeled. And now on to this week's podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ambitious Mum podcast. This is episode two. Thank you so much for tuning in or tuning back in if you listened to the first episode. I just wanted to start with a huge thank you for all the lovely support I got for the first episode. As a complete amateur podcaster, I was really putting myself out there and felt very scared and nervous and quite vulnerable, um, putting myself in a totally new position. But I um, am so happy with the way it went. I had some, so many lovely messages of um, people telling me that they really resonated with what Catherine was telling me about and also just the conversation that we had between us. I had lots of um, messages on Instagram, text messages, emails and I have to say that it made it all worthwhile because this is what I wanted for the podcast. I wanted the podcast, The Ambitious Mum, to be a platform of um, inspiration and motivation and also support so I hope that I managed to succeed in that in the first episode and this episode is a really fantastic one I loved speaking to my guest her name is Susie Redding and she is a um, author she's a yoga teacher she's a psychologist she is a personal trainer 
and she's also a mum of two children. And what I loved about speaking to Susie, that despite all these amazing accolades and the fact that she's written lots of different books, she is essentially just a mum like you, like me. And she is also sort of, I guess, finding her feet in the world as her kids get older. She's gone through a few tough times in her life as well. And she tells us about that. She gives us some fantastic tips and I guess some tools for our um, our back pocket that we can reach for when the days get a bit tough and we have some trying moments. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast. She was a great guest and um, I will put all the information in the show notes about her books because they are really, really worth a read. So here it is, my second episode with Susie Redding. So thank you very much. We've got Susie Redding here today on the Ambitious Mum podcast. I'm so excited to have you on, Susie. Thank you so much, Kate. It's a pleasure and a privilege. Thanks for having me. Oh, a little bit of background about how I came across um, yourself and your work is that when I was um, retraining um, to become a, a health and well-being coach, I was reading and non-stop reading and your book, Stand Like a Mountain, um, came to me. I think I must have read about it online somewhere and I ordered it and I literally devoured it in about two or three nights. And not only did it help me sort of um, with my professional sort of clarity, but it helped me so much as a mum and as a parent and just for myself as well, for my own well-being. And I dipped into it loads and brought some of the, um, the the activities and some of your tips into my family life. So thank you so much for writing such a brilliant book. Oh, that is just music to my ears. I'm I'm so thrilled that it's resonated, and and I hope you can see that you know the the dividends really ripple out broadly. You know, self care is something that um, whether you're four or forty or eighty, we all need it. And uh, I'm I'm so glad you enjoyed the book. No, absolutely. And I'm going to touch on a few of the, the things in the book, maybe a bit later on. Um, but I found it one of those things that was very easy to sort of just to flip through. I didn't have to just start at the beginning. And there was loads of different tips that I think most parents or any adult um, with, you know, with children of all ages would be able to relate to. So maybe we we'll just sort of start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um just get a little bit more sort of a background on yourself. I know you are a, char- a chartered psychologist mm-hmm. um, and you are also a yoga teacher, a personal trainer, and you're, um, I guess you facilitate um, well-being and healthy lifestyle change. So all of these amazing kind of um, roles that you play in helping people become sort of happier and healthier versions of themselves. Where, what, where's your passion? Where does it lie? Ah, I love that question. Um, (laughs) My passion lies in empowering people with accessible and potent tools of self-care. And I love that that draws the disparate threads of my training together. But really, it's it's my life experience of, of motherhood colliding with the terminal illness that really makes this a personal personal mission of mine. Um, You know, from that experience, I learned that no one is immune from from struggle, from challenge, from energetic bankruptcy. And, um, you know, all of that experience, you know, 
psychologist, yoga teacher, health coach, I still found myself in a state of energetic bankruptcy. I hadn't really been tested by life before. You know, that's that, that no one is immune. So I want people to have access to really simple, accessible tools of nourishment that makes a difference in everyday life. I think that's really important to, to talk about because I think, you know, women who haven't got all your tool, tools at their disposal, and, you know, they are going through hardships, you know, whether it's, um, you know, on their parenting journey or where they have, they are suffering from, from grief or divorce mm-hmm. or illness, anything like that. And, you know, you're someone that's fully equipped with the knowledge and you, you're saying that you still found it really difficult. Can you, can you tell me a little bit, a bit about what happened? I know your, your dad was really poorly when you um, were, when you just had your first child. Is that right? Yeah. Um, my dad was very unwell. Um, he was a, a doctor himself and um, desperately trying to find out what was going wrong for him. Um, and he, he, didn't, he couldn't find any answers. And he had, uh, he had a breathing failure when I was 40 weeks pregnant. And uh, we, he ended up going to hospital in an ambulance and we were told that it was unlikely um, that he was going to make it. And I spent the next seven days saying my last goodbyes to dad before um, giving birth. So you can imagine the state that I was in terrible. before giving birth and then after giving birth. Yeah. And it was, it was a terribly, terribly tough time that it went on for 15 months. So he was in intensive care for the first four months of Charlotte's life. Never well enough to come home. Ended up in a rehab hospital and then a high level um, uh, palliative care unit. And it was, it was 15 months of, of literally just watching and waiting and the transition to motherhood coupled with that experience, yeah. I think, is enough to floor any human being. And what Absolutely. that experience taught me was that, um, like I said before, it doesn't matter what toolkit you have. Uh, when you are first tested by life, um, it really shines through your relationship with self-care. And... I think this probably resonates with a lot of parents. You know, when when you become a parent, you want to give every cell and fibre to your child, but you have to nourish you because your child needs you to keep giving and keep going. Mm. And parenthood is not a marathon. Sorry, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we've got to get good at nourishing ourselves. But in that time of squeeze, this is the other key learning is that the things that we normally do to nourish ourselves often become completely inaccessible. And in that brain squeeze, that energy squeeze, we don't have the creativity and resourcefulness to come up with a new toolkit. We need it spelt out for us. And that's really what I hope I can provide people with. I think that's right. I mean, it's sort of, you often find yourself surviving, not thriving. And you are literally just kind of on that hamster wheel, just kind of going, 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 and then something, and it could be something major, it could be something minor that can just floor you. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what I see a lot of is, is women who are, you know, desperately striving in their career. They're, um, they've got ambitions. They want um, to want to fulfill themselves um, from, you know, a workplace and then they come home and then they've got huge pressures sort of family wise, you know, with their relationships, with their children. And there is only so much people can deal with and women can deal with. And I know you work a lot with, with mums. What do you most often see and what's the most sort of common issues at the moment? I think people just feel pulled in, in, in every direction. Um, there's, there are so many pressures to perform, um, to, to achieve, to provide, to contribute. Um, 
so many responsibilities. It's, it's an incredible load, emotional load. And I think the main issue is that people, mums, feel terribly guilty about taking time for themselves or even engaging in nourishing practices that don't take a lot of time because they feel like they've got to constantly self-sacrifice yeah. to be an effective mother. Yeah, it's like if you switch off for a second, then the guilt kicks in. Mm-hmm. And you, sh- you know, you should never switch off from being a mum. And, and you know, if you, you, you out and you haven't got your phone on the table and you check your phone and there's loads of missed calls and WhatsApp messages, that's kind of like, oh, I've been punished because mm-hmm. I haven't been sort of on, on like, you know, mother, um, mother zone. Um, and, and it is, it's, it's hard and I feel like it's getting harder. And even though we are understanding more about self-care and yes, it is sort of a bit of the zeitgeist and it's all over social media and people are talking about it. But are we practicing, I guess, what we're reading about, what we hear people talking about, you know, on the day-to-day level, would you say that you're noticing a shift? Look, I'm noticing a shift. I think there's a greater appetite for it. I think people are more open to it. But I still think there are huge misconceptions about what self-care really means, what it constitutes, what what is a real act of self-care. And that's because it gets hijacked by beauty brands trying to tout their latest wares. And that's frustrating. But for me, as a psychologist specialising in stress management, helping people manage grief and loss and change, you know, self-care is health care. It's the stuff that enables us to cope in the moment, to restore and heal. It's the stuff that tops up our energy banks so that we are resilient in the face of future stress. It's Mm. the thing that allows us to step up and be the kind of people that we aspire to be. And as parents, if we want to raise compassionate and resilient kids, we've got to be empowering them with their own self-care toolkit. So, you know, it's, it's not bubble baths. It's not spa days necessarily. It's, it's so much bigger than that, but it's also in tiny little micro moments of nourishment that don't take expense or time or energy. It's using a mantra. It's a breath exercise. It's a single yoga pose. Mm. And these are the things that we can all do. We can all make time and space for these things. Some of these things don't take any extra time, like working with your breath. You're doing it anyway. Um, But really it's challenging some of those misconceptions at the heart of it is feeling like it's not okay for us to do it absolutely i think it's also the awareness as well and once we're more aware that the we do have these tools at our disposal like you talk about you know with the breathing which anyone can do and we you know make time for for very small practical kind of notions of self-care then i think that's when it starts getting easier for people to understand and which is why i loved and the book stand tall like a mountain because that does offer very accessible um tools for for anyone um and you sort of talk about children and this is something i'm really passionate about and i think as mums we we want to empower our kids with knowledge from a young age and they are growing up online, social media. You see, I mean, I've got teenage children, my older two, and I see this kind of constant um, obsession with, with being on their phones. And if you've got any advice for parents that I guess could bring something into their family just to help reduce that stress, maybe, or just that kind of that never ending obsession of social media. Mm, I think it's what we 
model for our children. Mm. It's so important that um, we talk about the notion of setting boundaries. Um, we communicate to our children, what's the purpose of social media? What's the purpose of technology? It's there to serve us. We're not there to serve it. Mm. Um, it's taking a look at our relationship with it and how our usage is impacting on our mental health, our mood. Um, I think sometimes it's it's not what you're doing on social media that's toxic. It's the fact that we devote so much time to it that we don't have enough time and space to do other things that we we need to feel healthy and whole as individuals. Um, it's it's about having a dialogue, you know, have a conversation about these things, um, talk about what works for us, and and, and it's. We can't dictate to our kids, but they certainly watch everything that we do. So there needs to be an authenticity in, yeah. in, in how we're using it and, and suggesting how we shape their use. And, I mean, because this podcast is called The Ambitious Mum, and what I love hearing about is all the different women's stories about how they have evolved in their career while being a mum and I guess where you started from from you know when you had had your first child Charlotte to where mm. you are now and I mean have you noticed how you perceive your own ambitions and mm. is your career the same as it was or are you at a totally different stage you know sort of nine ten years later? I love that question. It's it's a really interesting thing to reflect on. I feel like I'm working in the same way, but there's been huge evolution and a much greater depth of understanding into how I work with people and why it works. So I've, I started my professional career working as a personal trainer. Even though I was a, a fully qualified psychologist, I felt like in my 20s I wasn't I hadn't earned my stripes mm. as a human being to work in a therapeutic context. That's how I felt. That's interesting. Um, it, it took me experiencing, you know, serious loss, um, intense stress, coupled with the transition to motherhood, to feel like I know, I know what I'm talking about. I can, I can empathise deeply with, with my clients. Um, and I guess it just reflects my own practices. So, you know, before I had kids, I was as a fiddle and I used to you know spend a, a great deal of time on my health and well-being because I had that time mm. and and then after having children everything changed um, from the way that I look after myself to the way that I work because um, I, I've been self-employed for most of my adult life so I'm lucky that um, my work can evolve around the needs of my children so that's essentially why I wrote my first book The Self-Care Revolution I wrote that when I had baby Ted because that was my way of making a contribution on, on, the, on the work front, but being present for him. And, and now I, I, I work in ways that allows me to be um, there for pick up and drop off as much as possible. Um, but I'm still, it's still all about that self-care message. So we find yeah. a way, don't we, as mums? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I've been noticing in sort of this pattern of speaking to different women, women that there's always this evolving um, growth of, of recognizing certain things at the beginning and slowly changing and weaving the, what you need in your life, um, you know, into your, your parenting sort of journey. And 
I mean, self-care for a lot of people is just not part of their daily routine. You know, they might go for a massage once a month, but it's just not on their radar. And for someone like yourself who sort of lives and breathes this, what, what would you tell women who are really sort of juggling their careers and coming home and, you know, going straight into sort of the, into the mum role and then they put their kids to bed and then it's nine o'clock and they've still got stuff to do. And by the time they sit down, it's half past nine, 10 o'clock. And then it all starts all over again. Mm-hmm. This is, this is the, the lead up to burnout. And this is where we're seeing women, you know, frazzle. We're seeing relationships breaking down. We're seeing, um, you know, children suffering. And it's not anything to do with mums working. It's just, I guess, how we're balancing our needs. And I, I don't know if you've got the answer to this, but do you have advice for women who are sort of nodding their heads right now going, oh my God, that's me, that's my life? Yeah, I, look, I found myself nodding as well. <laughs> <That's the thing. laughs> to be honest, I was describing my life. But <laughs> I kind of sit down about half past nine at night, but um, I do try and bring in self-care during the day. And for me, my self-care is walking my dog and, mm-hmm. and getting out, and making sure that I've got sunlight on my face and at least sort of 45 minutes of walking my dog and then coming home and having a coffee and reading 20 minutes 15 minutes of the paper and that is it that is what I'm happy with and if I can squeeze in yoga then that was a you know an extra um but I feel I know that I'm also blessed I work from home I'm self-employed and I can squeeze that in and that's my priority whereas a lot of women can't do that and they I just wonder if self-care is adding more pressure to people and there's another thing that women have to tick off this is such a good point The last thing I want people to feel like is that if they haven't, if they feel like self-care is not happening on a regular basis, I I don't want people to feel like they're failing at self-care. That's the last thing I want people to feel. Um, Secondly, I also don't want people to feel like it has to be an extra thing to be added. It really doesn't. I promise you it really doesn't. Um, It's a two-pronged approach. The first thing that I would suggest to anyone who feels like they don't have time for self-care and I get it, you know, you know, a solo trip to the grocery store can feel like a spa day. Um, Going to the loo on your own. Wow. What an extravagance. Um, So the first suggestion, the first strategy I have is to look at everyday things, everyday activities, things that are happening already and reflect on how you could make that more nourishing, more tender. How can you imbue that action with a greater sense of care? So it's simple things like how you dress yourself, how you shower, uh, how you apply your moisturiser or take your makeup off at the end of the day, how you talk to yourself, um, how you eat your food. It's so simple. It doesn't need to be something extra. What are you already doing that you can make more nourishing? That's great. That's really, I think that's something that, because that's not overwhelming. We're already doing all those things. Um, And I guess it's just bringing that mindfulness into it, isn't it? It's sort of just focusing on... It's mindfulness and compassion. It's it's both of those things. It's noticing, it's appreciation, it's savouring, but it's also throwing ourselves a bone and just being kind. These are really important skills. Then the other approach is what I call the micro moments approach. So if you haven't got big chunks of time, don't worry. 
What can you do in 10 seconds that will either lift your mood or help you vent or release or bring you back to a feeling of harmony? And this, like, honestly, it really doesn't have to take a lot of time. It can be using a mantra. It can be some shoulder rolls. It can be looking out the window and seeking a bird on the wing. It could be having a hug with your child. You know, very, very simple accessible things. It might be just drinking a tall glass of cool water while you say to yourself, I am calm, I am resourceful, yeah? Are these, and so when you talk about mantras, is that an example of one? Yeah, mantras, it, you know, nothing fancy is required. I have a whole heap of mantras because they just help focus my mind on something constructive. So let me give you some examples. Um, it might be to cultivate a, a sense of mindfulness of presence. I would use the mantra, I soften into this moment. If I want to relax, I might say to myself, I give myself permission to switch off. The world can wait. There's nothing required of me right now. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm having trouble sleeping, I might say to myself, just rest, sleep will come. I soften into my breathing, you know, something like that. There's yeah. something for every moment. I think that's really powerful because we, I guess that switching off button doesn't come naturally to women and especially women who are, you know, mums and working. And I guess we're so used to being on all the time that it doesn't feel right being off, like a, giving ourselves permission to switch off. And I think maybe just even that one mantra of saying I'm giving myself permission mm -hmm. is, is very powerful, I think, to be able to, to know that just saying that can help us just relax into the moment. Absolutely. Um, That's such a good point, Kate. I mean, we, we really do live in a snooze-you-lose culture that completely underestimates the vast importance of sleep and relaxation. You know, it's, it's productivity over everything else, isn't it? We feel so bad we, when we're doing nothing, but honestly, that something's gonna have to change because it's, it's terrible for our health and well-being not yeah. having the time to soften into the moment. And I do notice, I do notice that change coming. Um, you know, it's coming from big companies. Um, you hear a lot of sort of female CEOs talk about it now. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, maybe even less, there was a lot more of the culture of like, just keep going, you know, sleeps for losers, you know, no one's going to get anywhere unless you start, you know, pushing and, uh, and, and, you know, mm -hmm. not stop working. And I think there is this revolution now of recognizing mm -hmm. that if we don't make a change, you know, it's our health that's suffering. Um, it's our relationships that are suffering. And, yeah. um, and essentially there's nothing more important than our, our you know, connections, the people that we love and our health. And mm -hmm. we can be as ambitious and successful as we want, but if we haven't got those in our lives, what is the point of life really? Well, absolutely. And it's, and at what cost, you know, how long can you sustain yourself um, burning the candle at both ends? So you might think, wow, you're, you're doing really well on the work front, but sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. Your, your body will force you to rest so you know it's 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 relationships it's our mental health it's but it's also any goal that you aspire to achieve in life whether that's on the career front or home life you, you're better place to achieve it when you are well slept when you're well rested when you are well nourished yeah. it's that simple 
I guess that's the pers- where you get the perspective, isn't it? When you mm-hmm. you've, you've got that that balance. And as a yoga teacher, so I am a very amateur yogi, and um, I love it. But it's only taken me probably the past eighteen months to really understand why people love yoga and what it brings to their to their lives and. You know, two, three years ago, I would be like, oh, it's so boring. I can't bear the fact that there's no music and I'm not being distracted. And for me, sort of exercise would be anything with loud, loud music and, you know, just to get through it so I wouldn't have to think about it. But now, for me, yoga is is this kind of essential um, practice that kind of fills me with um, happiness and energy. And I really get a lot out of it. And in going back to your book, you have given people different poses and positions that they can use. What, why do you think yoga is so powerful for this kind of generation of, of women who are so close to burnout? Mm, okay. There are so many reasons. First and foremost, it is incredibly potent. It is such a powerful tonic. And I think a lot of people associate a yoga practice with rolling out your mat and being on it for an hour. Mm. Great. If you've got the time and space to do that, brilliant. Um, If you've got the energy to do that, brilliant. I mean, I will be very honest with people. Uh, When my little one was sleeping, both of my little ones had their day sleeps, I would roll out my yoga mat and I would sleep on it myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did that for months and months because my body mind was literally crying out for rest. Um... It is powerful because even a single pose can be enough to create a shift. So don't think that it has to be a big chunk of time. Don't think that it even needs to be on a yoga mat. There is a pose that you can do while you're waiting for the kettle to boil. There'll be a shape that will help you prepare for a phone call that you need to make. There are other shapes that will help you and your children prepare for rest and to pave the way for for more peaceful sleep. There's something for every moment, just like a mantra. And when you pair movement, mantra, breath, and coming into a particular shape, wow, you are really cooking with gas in terms of creating whatever mood state, state of being that you you want to cultivate. It's it's brilliant because I just thought with yoga, you had to be this sort of... um, long strong you know skinny woman that would be able to bend into any form of shape and you know for me it yes there is strength involved but it's the restorative side that I love about it and I think if women understood more what you say maybe not even going into the whole yoga thing but just the the power of the the breathing the poses um, the power of the body the power of posture yeah and to be able to use this out at our disposal when, you know, life is throwing all sorts of things at us because, you know, within half an hour, I know my, my husband very rarely sees this because he gets home just after it's all happened. But in half an hour, you know, everything can explode in the house. The kids can be having a tantrum and an argument and something smashed on the floor and somebody wants you for homework and then you're getting a, w- a work phone call. And it is literally like being thrown, you know, every element of a storm in in one, you know, one moment. And normally my husband walks home, walks in about 10 minutes after it's all happened and he he wouldn't have a clue. And sometimes I just go out the other room and take some deep breaths and kind of like say a few words to myself and come back in and try and deal with the situation. 
and I feel like maybe yoga or, or adopting some of these kind of mantras and poses that you talk about would be really helpful for everybody to, to know about because we are juggling a lot as women I think and yeah. when we've got this pressure of of feeling wanting to feel fulfilled in our career as well which I think sorry I'm going on a bit of a tangent but maybe 30 years ago women didn't have this pressure of you know you you got to be having some career that is going to you know give you a different identity and just being a mum at home was enough for them or maybe it wasn't enough but society was dictating that it should be enough and now we are having all these amazing things that we can choose from but we are feeling a lot more pressurized because of it so uh, I don't know what I'm trying trying to say but I, I think it's just trying to acknowledge it and be aware of it so women don't feel bad about themselves when they don't feel like they've got all their shit together really yeah totally it's and it's so important that we just honestly take a take a really good honest look at all of those different responsibilities and understand that we are this is something I say to my kids I'm just one person here Mm. (laughs) I'm one normal fallible human being um you know and it is incredible that the 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 choice that we have these days but you know we, we we're trying to excel in so many different ways that no one can no one can achieve in all those different ways to to their their the utmost of their potential it's just not humanly possible so we've got to get real mm. and i think really if there's one quality that um that i would hope for every woman every mother to possess it would be self-compassion and just just going gently being tender coaxing encouraging rather than crapping on ourselves all the time you know yeah and it's the comparison as well is comparing and this mm-hmm. this striving for perfectionism which is just not attainable in any way it's and, not yeah and then, yeah don't but, compare how someone else looks on the outside to how you feel on the inside and i can say hand on heart absolutely every single person that you will encounter in your day is having some kind of stress on some level you know no one is immune and they might look like they've got it licked but you've got no idea what's going on behind behind the, the smiles, the veneer, the filters on, yeah. on, on social media. The Ambitious Mum Podcast. I know you've done um, a great model called the Vitality Wheel, and I've shared on social media, and I've, I really value it as a, as a tool. Can you able to just explain quickly about what yeah. that is and how you bring it into your practice and how you help other Fantastic. people with it? So I, I would love to share it with people because one, I hope it will help people understand what self-care is and broadens perspective. But two, what I've experienced is when you need something in the moment, that's when all of those ideas literally go out the window. It's really impossible to, to call to mind something nourishing when you're feeling stressed out of your head. So having a framework, having a diagram that you can refer to instantly connects you with something of resonance and something accessible when you need it the most. And it's also the framework that I use from a coaching perspective. So we can take a look at the different aspects of the vitality wheel and think about, well, where are we going to start first? Um, so the vitality wheel, is all about the different ways that we can nourish ourselves. We can top up our energy bank. Um, and there are eight different spokes. 
and, and none of this is, uh, you know, none, none of it's rocket science. I imagine none of this will be new to anyone, but that's fine because the whole point of it is to remind you of something nourishing in the moment. Yeah. So those eight spokes are, if I just quickly go through the, the titles, we've got sleep, rest, relaxation, and breathing. And the reason why I've got all of those in there is that, let's be honest, there are times when good sleep is inaccessible and there are times when rest and relaxation feel impossible, but we always have the breathing to work with. And they all stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is about rest and digest, restore and healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got movement and nutrition. We've got coping skills, physical environment, social connections, mood boosters, goal setting and accomplishment, and values and purpose. So they are all different ways that we can engage in self-care to boost our health and well-being. It is. And and going back to that of it just being written down in front of you. So we have that awareness that we can go through those. And so if anybody is feeling that they don't have time for their self-care or they don't feel that they know how to bring it into their lives, this is just a really simple tool, isn't it? For people to, I guess, be just that little bit more mindful and um, yeah. Essentially, this is all about building the self-care habit because that's what it is. These are habits. These are, it's an approach to life. It's a lens through which you see life. And being Um, intentional with it as well. Yes. And the way that the vitality wheel will serve you best is if you annotate it with the mantras, the yoga poses, the uh, all the different coping skills, the TED Talks, podcasts, bits of music, anything that lifts your spirits jot it down on the vitality wheel so that when you need a lift, when you need uh, a sense of release, there will be something there that leaps out at you that you'll think, ah, that's what I can do. And hey, you've created a change. That's why I love it so much. And I've used it before for myself. I've used it for clients. um, And it is something that I just think is so simple in, in the way it is that everybody can understand it and everyone can get something out of it. And I also think it's great for teenagers as well, because Something that I, you know, that we discussed before, but I think is so important is that the the younger we get to our children with this, you know, notion of, of looking after ourselves and self-care, um, hopefully the the more normal it will be for them to adopt this in later life and they'll, they'll always know that they've got it to come back to, you know, especially if you've got daughters and, you know, they're going to have children one day in a family that it's not a new notion for them. That is something that is just kind of, it's almost just habit that they know that they've just got to quickly check back in with, with, you know, looking after themselves. So I, I think it's great. And, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll link it. I'll make sure that um, in the show notes, we we've got a link to your website with it. That would be wonderful. Going back to what you were saying with our kids, you know, we're already doing this stuff. You know, we teach our kids how to brush their teeth and what constitutes healthy eating and exercise and how to cross yeah. roads. It's just broadening that toolkit to include emotional health, mental health, how we can navigate challenging life experiences and big emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. We teach our kids to wash our hands and and brush Mm -hmm. our teeth and and shower every day. We should Mm -hmm. be teaching them, you know, just the same, but with our emotional health as well. That's Um, right. And it's okay to learn at the same time as our kids, because let's be honest, this stuff wasn't modeled for us. We are learning it at the same time as our kids, but that can provide a really beautiful opportunity to bond. 
it can provide us with an opportunity to demonstrate growth mindset, beginner's mind, that it's okay not to, you know, nail it first time, that we can all learn and grow together. So, I mean, what intrigues me a lot is that we're not the first generation of women to be juggling and and frazzled by our kids. Uh, We're not the first generation to be working but it seems like we're the first generation um, of women who are actively trying to better ourselves, I guess, with our mental health or emotional health. Um, do you think, sort of looking back maybe at your parents' generation, what was going on there and how we can learn from them what they were doing, maybe, what good or bad, that we can bring into our um, our society, our culture now? Yeah, I, I think the rate of change, how, how much things have changed in recent years. I mean, I, I, I look back, my father never used a computer. You know, to, to his last day, he never pecked at a keyboard. Mm. It was a very, very different existence. Mum, on the other hand, she had to roll with it and evolve and <laughs> she, she, she learned quickly. Um, it's just, it's a totally different landscape. I think if we can carve better boundaries and return to a greater simplicity, more intentional living, more purposeful living, then that would be great. But at the same time, you know, we, we live in a different landscape now and we've got to acknowledge that there are WhatsApp groups that need to be managed. You know, we are, we, we, we know that, you look, you look at parenting practices, you know, in times gone by, it was perfectly fine to park a buggy at the back of the garden and yeah. let your baby cry it out for a few hours. We, we just don't do these things anymore for good reason, because yeah. we're aware of the effects on, on mental and emotional health. So it's this kind of bind of, we know that our children need stimulation and nurturing and our, you know, our careers need feeding and fueling and our relationships need our attention. It's just, it's just being aware of what's possible and, and, and being purposeful and, and being really smart about where it is that you place your energy and attention because there is only so much to go around. Yeah. So get clear on what's really of vital importance to you and, and lovingly tend to it. I love that. That is really, that's resonated a lot for me because I think we can be so caught up in what everyone else is doing and keeping up with what, what's going on around us. And we, you know, it sometimes takes a bit of a shock or something traumatic to make us, you know, be more aware and be more purposeful. And it shouldn't wait, you know, we shouldn't wait for something like this to happen. We should be, you know, doing it now. And this is why I want to be having conversations like this, because if I can help one person who's listening to this go, you know what, I've got all my values wrong. I'm prioritizing the wrong thing. And they can make a shift in their life, no matter how small it is, that can hopefully sort of ripple, um, you know, across to, to their family's life, to their friends, you know, their their work, then it's it's all worthwhile. Um, and I think the more conversations, honest conversations that we have like this, the, the more normal it will be. And we don't have to kind of just read about it in magazines. It can just be day-to-day conversations that we're having with our friends, with our family. 
and um, and also helping each other sort of check back in as well and maybe kind of giving our friends that little kind of nudge going when was the last time you took a breather when was the last time you had a day off um, yeah. and not be look like we're trying to sabotage someone's career or something which yeah. you know I'm sure none of us would be but do you know what I mean I do I do you know this is something that I say on a regular basis we we stand to gain so much by sharing our insight by coming together and uh, and supporting each other and, and 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 being honest and open with each other so I'm really glad that you're having these conversations Kate it's really helpful and you know what you said about you want to have these conversations to help women avoid some of the pitfalls that you've experienced that's my prime motivator too if I can help one mum avoid that black hole that I ended up in by not realizing that it wasn't just okay for me to engage in self-care it was absolutely essential and if I couldn't do it for me I had to do it for my daughter because she deserves a, a, a present compassionate resourceful mum yeah but how to make it accessible because it can feel so tough but it doesn't have to be and I hope that people will feel from our conversation that they've got they've got some more options at their fingertips reach absolutely so my last question um, which I ask my other guests is and I think you may have covered some of it but what would you tell the the younger Susie when you had first had your your child and what you were trying to to do and I guess how you were trying to get through your day what would you tell what you know now to that younger Susie mm. My goodness, I, I just want to give her a giant hug and to say, sweetheart, you, you're doing the best that you can. Um, I really hope that we can blow away this ridiculous notion that we should enjoy every moment. I mean, how, how many times do we tell um, parents in those early stages, oh, enjoy every moment? It's just utter nonsense. Mm. And it sets people up for a tremendous feeling of failure. Uh, my mantra swiftly became save the good, make peace with the shitty. And I think really we need mm -hmm. radical acceptance as, as parents to be able to cope with the demands, the, the true, the truly challenging nature of it. And it, it doesn't, doesn't stop, does it? You know, I can see what lies ahead for me as a, as a parent of a, a child on the cusp of teen years. Wow, I, I can, I can only imagine how challenging that's going to be. So it's it's just compassion, tenderness, kindness, and please nourish you. That's that's really the key message. Nourish you. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, love it. Thank you so much for such a fantastic conversation and so many fantastic insights that I know a lot of people get um, lots of use out of. So I really, really appreciate you coming on here. And is there anything, if you, you've got a website and is there anything that you are working on at the moment that you'd like to tell the listeners about? Sure. Well, I've got three books out currently. And I'm very, very excited to have another one coming out next year, which is looking at how we can navigate stress, loss and change, which is oh, big, wow. okay. really big. But in the interim, because it's a little while till that comes out, um, there's self-care revolution stand tall like a mountain and the little book of self-care available now and if people want to find out a little bit more about how i work i do a live session on instagram on monday mornings 9am uk time where we build the self-care habit together and that's a great way of just 
getting self-care on the radar. And, um, and if any, anyone's interested in coaching, that's how you can find out more about how I work. Brilliant. So that's available to everybody on Instagram on, on a Monday yeah. morning. How yeah, and you a great way to start the week. Hours. So you can, if, if 9 a.m. doesn't work, you can check in at any time. And I, I love it when I get a request. <laughs> so we've just looked at the inner critic. Next week, we're looking at um, conflict in relationships. Drop me a line if there's something you want me to focus on. And that's what we'll do. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Susie. And I will put all that information in the show notes. And um, I hope to speak to you soon because that was fantastic. And I know you probably have lots more interesting things to talk about, and especially when your new book, book comes out. Oh, thank you, Kate. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks, Susie. Take care. So that is this week's episode done. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'd love to know if some of the insights resonated with you or if there were some takeaways that you're possibly able to apply to your life. I would really love to hear your feedback and perspective on today's conversation as well. Perhaps we talked about a topic that sparks something within you, or you have something to offer to the other listeners. Either way, I would love to hear from you. In order to help grow the Ambitious Mum community and allow the podcast to be heard by other people, please do rate, subscribe and share it across your social networks. This will really help with the visibility of a new podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Coaching by Kate and do use the hashtag The Ambitious Mum Podcast so I can find your comments easily. So please do get in touch if you have any more to say. I'll also provide all links to my guests and my contact details on The Ambitious Mum show notes too. See you next week. Thank you.